I didn't have the script. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Racing Pod Blast with me, Tony Mack, and Ben Aiken from Narrow in the Field. to Ascot this weekend for our racing coverage taking in three races from their Saturday card and giving them our usual going over and then we uh, make our usual trip up to Scotland to close the show with our football Trixie top, middle and bottom well it's uh, racing first and it's the Cumberland Lodge Stakes due off at uh, 2.25 at Ascot on Saturday, uh, welcome along Ben, uh, we heard you first anyway, uh, welcome along Ben, can you start us off with the Cumberland Lodge Stakes? I'm ready to roll, yeah I'm ready, <laughs> um, yeah, Cumberland Lodge Stakes, couple in here, um, they're not all that easy to get a grip on, Fortino has his second start for the Gosdens in this, he finished 18 lengths behind Baybridge at Kempton last month, prior to moving to Gosdens he was winning Group 1 races in the racing hotspot of Chile. Mm. So, not easy to assess his level of ability, but he actually won eight of his 11 races in Chile. Four of them group ones. He won the Chile Derby by an ease down two lengths on his final start before moving over here. And the horse he beat that day had since won two from two, also both Chilean group ones. Now, is that good form? or translatable form to a group three over here. It's a bit of a guessing game with him. I'm interested to see how he goes, but almost impossible to make any serious case for for Tino. Um, I'm interested, yeah, interested to see how he runs. Mm. Can't be back at him, though. Uh, Astronome makes his second start for Hugo Palmer after moving from France in the summer. His first run for the yard came at Chester last month in a listed event. He finished third behind Al Karim, who also runs here. Um, again, not easy one to accurately gauge right now. Another, I'm interested to see how he goes, but also another, not easy to make a serious case for at present. Uh, both those two are interesting types, but I suspect the winner comes from one closer to the head of the market. And I do think Al Asse, I do think he's the right favourite. His close second last time out behind Adelaide River. Now, it looks like solid form. He was given the Aidan O'Brien horse £11 that day, which is a fair whack of weight, um, especially when you consider that Adelaide River was rated £3 higher than Alice. Brian Moore was also able to control the races he liked off the front that day on Adelaide River. Essentially, there's plenty in his favour, while the pace of the race and the weights were very much against Alice. So easy to mark up that effort from Alice. He does have his prime conditions to attack here, Group 3 level or below, good or softer, and a flat or slight undulating track, where he has seven wins and two places from 11 starts, including a course and distance win here at Ascot last season. But I have Al Assay's main danger as Al Karim. Now, he posted a career best at Chester last time out when winning at listed level. I think he could well grab the lead in this race and try and make it a stamina test. He has won in form over one mile seven and he can dig deep when he's challenged. So if Clifford Lee gets his fraction right off the front, if he decides to go from the front, that is, um, and it could be a serious obstacle for Al Assay. Now the market has them currently as Al Assay 6-4 and Al Karim at 
4.192. I think that's just a bit too wide. Um, I think they should be a bit closer than that in the betting. So the prices, I'm actually more tempted by Al Quarim. For all I totally think this is a, a good opportunity for Al, I say he's, he's, he's a class horse. I just think 4.192 is generous for Al Quarim. Bit more room to be wrong at those prices than the six to four on the go for Alice. And um, not much room for error built into that price. So Al Karim's tempting me in at the prices, Tony. What do you think for the Cumberland Lodge stakes? He's good from the front, is Clifford Lee. I'm gonna say that he's uh, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Interesting. Al Karim there. I've I've just come down to one to be honest with you uh, here, Ben. I, I think uh, Alice. Uh, I think he might be a bit. A different class to these. Um, he has recovered from a disastrous comeback uh, in July when he was having his first run of the season at Newmarket, finishing fifth of uh, the five. But he's down in the closing stages. Uh, he's gone on to win at Newbury and Haydock uh, in the Group Three uh, uh, Rose of Lancaster Stakes as well at Haydock. Uh, ran well last uh, last time out in the uh, in the Paddy Power Group Three, uh, second of, of uh, seven. Uh, behind Adelaide River, as you've uh, alluded to there, mate. Jim Crowley takes the ride as well. He's uh, Isra, uh, regular jockey for Isra throughout the season as well. So it looks like he's chosen uh, Al Asir, but I don't read much into that after... Can you remember years ago, Ben, when... Uh, when Frankie was riding for Godolphin, and I always, people mm-hmm. always go about, well, oh, has he chose right? Has he chose the wrong one? They used to say that about um, Ruby Walsh as well when Mullins yeah, had a yeah. couple of horses at Cheltenham in the in the oh, Ruby's. But I always remember Simon Crisford was interviewed when he was the uh, spokesman for Godolphin, and they asked, uh, "Do you think Frankie's chosen the right one?" He said, "Well, in at Godolphin, Mister Dettori gets told what to ride," mm, and yeah. I never ever forget that. Never ever forget that. So I've never ever gone to it with. Obviously, I mean, I would would say somebody like Ruby Walsh would have a choice, but uh, in in back in the day. But uh, I always remember that from uh, Simon Crisford. So Crowley is on Alas here, and uh, I'll be sticking with him at around thirteen to eight, seven to four, uh, as you say there, uh, Ben. In the uh, two twenty five at uh, Ascot, three o'clock at Ascot is the Ben Goff Stakes uh, Group Three over six furlongs. Ben, the three o'clock at Ascot. Yeah, I have a shortlist of three for this one, Tony, and I have Comanche Falls, Happy Romance, and Pink Crystal. Comanche Falls has been in excellent form this season, running right up to his best. Indeed, he posted a career best last time out when we were in at York. So he comes here buying form, uh, I dare say at the peak of his powers, possibly. Now, he was third in this race last year, but that came off the back of of a hard-fought second in the Air Gold Cup 14 days previous. It's a couple of weeks extra to recover from his last race this time around. He comes here off a break of 27 days. He does have his prime conditions to attack over a straight six furlongs, away from heavy ground, and with Connor Beasley riding, he has 12 wins and five places from 24 starts. It's a 50% win strike rate. And Comanche Falls does look to have a serious chance of going a, a couple places better in the race this year. Happy Romance is zero from five at Ascot, but all five of those runs were at group one level, or group two level. In fact, four of them were at group one level. Um, and a close seventh in the, the Platinum Jubilee last season certainly suggests that she handles the track all right. She generally does go well under these conditions, uh, with form at 
Group three level or less over five and six furlong trips of seven wins and two places from 12 starts. She ran seventh in the foray at Longchamp last weekend. That was a group one over seven furlongs, just not suitable conditions for her. She also didn't have a, a great draw that day either. So I expect her to run much better here on Saturday at Ascot. And Pink Crystal, the other on my shortlist, leads to have kicked on as a four-year-old. Her three best runs on the figures have come on her last three starts. She also has a good record of breaks of 25 days or less, with three wins and four placed efforts from eight starts off those sort of breaks. And she needs to improve to take this, but she does look to be progressing, so she could get involved at Tasty prices pink crystal and my concern with the three shortlisters is they are drawn in stalls one two and four so if a track bias appears and it happens to be on the near side which is the high numbers then they could be screwed before the gates open then again i suppose if there's a track bias and it appears on the far side the low numbers happy days i've got three of them covered there but obviously at time of recording not something we can predict and i'd usually look for a pace bias in a straight track base but well, it's a real lack of pace on in this race, so pace isn't easy to predict. But, you know, that's what it is. Uh, hopefully there won't be a track bias at play. The ground is forecast to be good. No rain on the horizon, so hopefully a level playing field on the track bias front. And it's Comanche Falls is the one that interests me the most. These are conditions he's won all of his races under, and he brings solid seasonal form to the table and around 10 to 1 11 to 1 I think Happy Romance can have a say as well it's uh, easy to ignore her run in France last week and I think she she should go well I think in these conditions so Comanche Falls and Happy Romance for me Tony what have you got I've got uh, three different ones actually Ben uh, Anaf who uh, beat significantly last month in the Portland the 22 runner contest of a three pound lower mark of course significantly as uh gone on to win the Air Gold Cup. Um, I wouldn't put anybody off that. Um, the two I will be uh, interested in is Garris for Charles Hill, Jim's Crowley, Jim Crowley in the saddle there, uh, gelding by acclamation. Now, uh, running well in defeat uh, in a number of starts since uh, April and ran well in a Group 1 contest at Haydock last month off a £2 uh, lower mark, higher mark. Sorry, uh, He's dropped £2 for this race in the uh, Sprint Cup stakes at uh, the Group 1 Sprint Cup. Uh, he's been dropped £2 uh, for this race, which, of course, is, is a Group 3, but uh, all, all different weights. So that gives him a little bit of a squeak. He is seven. He's not getting any younger, Garris, uh, but I think he can run into a place um, behind uh, uh, more fancied runners. And the other one is uh, who finished second to Comanche Falls last time out at York uh, in the uh, listed race, the Garraby Stakes, uh, second of eight, three quarters of length behind uh, Comanche Falls is Juan Lapin, uh, the old Peter Starsard song, uh, which was uh, Where Do You Go To My Lovely, of course, uh, which uh, featured uh, Juan Lapin in the song, second to Comanche Falls, meets up on a £1 better mark, improving sort and deserves a crack at Group 3. Uh, so Juan Lapin uh, for, uh, at 7-1 to one, and Garris around 6.5-1, uh, to 7-1 to one, uh, each way. Uh, shots at uh, at that run in the uh, Bengoff Stakes at uh, three o'clock. On to the three thirty-five, the Howden Challenge Cup Class Two handicap over seven furlongs. This looks a cracker, by the way, Ben. It does, but um, 
great pop knowledge for the Ben Goff stakes, Tony. Um, <laughs> I'll literally no idea what you're talking about, but I'm sure some people will. Um, the Howden Challenge Cup, Class 2 Handicap. Um, quick word on the pace for this one. Uh, Quinault, stall one, looks the main pace angle here. He likes to blast away off the front and let the others try to catch him. I wouldn't expect him to change those tactics here. Uh, the only other that may potentially be up on the pace in the early stages is Lethal Levi in stall 12. So they may not be quite as forceful with him over a seven furlong trip. So potentially a bit of a pace bias to those drawn low with uh, Quinault uh, leading him along off the front. And I can't see any obvious pace angles in the middle to high stall. So something to, to keep in mind there possibly. Now despite this being a large field blast. I don't think there are too many in the field with rock-solid credentials for this race. And I'm looking at a shortlist of Quinault, Hickory, Baradar, and Orban. Quinault has quite simply been a winning machine this season since entering handicaps, uh, winning seven of his eight races, including over this course and distance last time out. His one defeat this season came at the Shargar Cup meet in, in August when he didn't have one of his regular jockeys on top. Obviously, the horses get allocated a jockey at the Shargar Cup. Trainers can't choose who rides their horse. So I think that third-place effort is probably excusable on that account. Um, and he gets his regular pilot, Luke Catton, on top for this. He's a jockey who is four from four in handicaps on the horse. Quinault is, he's up five pounds for his win last time out, but that was another career best from him. And the figure he ran to that day does suggest his current mark of 102 is probably not quite yet his ceiling of his abilities. Um, as I already mentioned, he likes likely to get his own way out front here. He may just prove too hard to pass off the front end once again. I do like Quinault's chances in this. Hickory, he's uh, also had a solid season so far. His last two runs have seen him bang in two career bests on the figures. Both those runs came over the course and distance he tackles here. Both runs saw him wear a visor. Uh, he wore the visor for the first time when finishing a close second in the international stakes in July. He also wore it when finishing third behind Quinault last time out. It does look like the headgear has kicked him on a level. Uh, he actually gets a bit of a pull in the weights with Quinault from the last meeting, so that could help close the gap, maybe more than close the gap. And he's also drawn right next to Quinault, so he should be able to sit in a slipstream and then try and mow him down at the business end. Uh, he was entered in a one-mile contest at Ask on Friday, but he's a non-runner than that now, and they go, rightly so, for this much bigger pot instead, Hickory. Baradar, he comes here off the back of two impressive victories, and George Boy certainly seems to have unlocked him since he moved over from the Johnny Murray yard. And he's another that has benefited from headgear because he's had cheek pieces applied the last two times. If they work again here for a third time, then he could yet defy his latest ratings rise. My concern would be he's drawn on the opposite side of the track from where the likely pace is. And the other on my shortlist is Orban. Now, he was also entered in that one-mile race Ask on Friday that Hickory had an entry in, but he's also been pulled from that and they head for this contest instead. It's been over a year since Orban last one, but there were signs. I thought there were signs anyway last time out when he finished fifth of 17 at York. He had a bit of a poor draw that day that made his life tricky, so fifth place finish, probably better than it looks. And it's not the easiest horse to get right, but if you look at him off marks of 100 or less, 
and due to softer, quicker and off breaks of 14 days or less. Three wins and four placed efforts from 10 starts. Now, they are all three of his career wins since he moved over from France. Gets those conditions here. Ornestal seven, so I think that's close enough to where the pace is likely to be. And he could outrun, excuse me, his uh, 16 to 1 odds. Ultimately, Quinault is the one I like most. I think he's very dangerous with a potential easy lead, but I do rate the chances of Hickory because he gets that pool of weights with Quinault and he clearly enjoys the track. So Quinault and Hickory be my main two. I like Orban as an outside play at bigger prices, so I'm tempted to have a bit on him as well. Tony, what have you got for us in the 335? I have got uh, one of five David O'Meara's uh, runners. He's got five in the race. Uh, you've just mentioned one, Orban. Uh, I've got Escobar. I still think there's a big win in him despite his, his racing, currently racing £13 lower than last winning mark. So I wouldn't put uh, anybody off... Um, Escobar 20 to 1 as well I expected him to be a, a bigger price than that so he's 20 to 1 which um, gives me a little bit of a, a, a good feeling that he might uh, be able to uh, st- as I say still a big run in him somewhere along the line before the end of the season I've got Lethal Levi uh, around 33 to 1 one pound higher than last winning mark and Atrium at 20 to 1 uh, three time winner on good ground two time winner at Ascot including a win over course and distance and has won in a big field a 16 runner plus field as well Atrium and I think that's too big it's uh, 20 to 1 but my uh, main selection I'm, I'm not backing any, uh, any of those I'll decide nearer the time but they're on the shortlist Escobar, Lethal Levi and Atrium uh, but I am back in uh, Baradar at around 6-1. to one. Uh, Course, ground, two from two in cheek pieces. Winner over course and distance. Cheek pieces, uh, I feel, have been the making of him and can run into a place here. Another uh, big run from Baradar for uh, George Bowie, as you said, uh, who's uh, revitalised him and cheek pieces have been the making of him and can run another... Another big race uh, tomorrow in the, in this race for Amor Racing. And, of course, uh, uh, the trainers all have to get Amor Racing horses to win uh, or they will be uh, out of the uh, stable by Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But uh, moving on now to... Uh, that's uh, Baradard 6-1 to one, uh, is me each way selection for the uh, the Challenge Cup offered 3.35. Right now, it's uh, top, middle and bottom. <laughs> footballers you cannot explain why you love it just happens chasing a ball around a park wanting one team to win against the other Elmahani right foot whips it oh jeezy peeps man Fantastic. The bit of pod you've all been waiting for, top, middle and bottom, before this week's selections. Uh, ben, the scores on the doors from last week's... Is that me, 32 points ahead? Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not far. Uh, last week's results, yeah, once again, just the one winner from each of us, so both another stinking minus yeah. four points. Um, both went into the 5.30 kickoff with one win from two picks. Um, I had Cove to beat Sterling as my last match. You had Sterling to beat Cove. Surely one of us gets a result there. Yeah? <laughs> nah. Of course not. Draw. They to play a two-all draw, don't they? <laughs> GG peeps, man. Come on. Overall totals now. Me, minus 17.10. 
yourself plus 11.93 I know how Edinburgh City feel Jesus can't get on um, my top middle and bottom this week top Scottish Championship Airdrie to beat Air at 21 to 20 now Airdrie are unbeaten at home so far three wins from three it'll probably be their home form that keeps them safe in mid-table this season uh, Air still really get going yet this season so I'm looking at another home win for Airdrie here in the top. Uh, middle Scottish first, Montrose to beat Alawa at 91 to 100. That price seems to be shortening on the past couple of days. Uh, Montrose, bit of a sticky start. They started to pull together some strong form now. Bit unlucky not to get a draw away at Falkirk last weekend. Falkirk scored in the 95th minute to make it 3-2. Uh, they've also started buying in the goals in the last few rounds. Well, Alloa have failed to score more than one a game since round one. So Montrose for me in the middle and bottom Scottish second, Bonnie Rig Rose and East Fife to draw at eleven of five. Bonnie Rig started the season well, leveling out a bit now. East Fife started poorly. Starting to steady the ship a bit now, though. What caught my ear, uh, my ear, <laughs> what caught my eye, though, was the fact that, including cup games, East Fife have drawn five of their seven away games so far this season, losing another two. And they've been pretty tight on the road, but without quite threatening a win. So I'm surprised the draw's not slightly shorter in this match. And that's where I'm going for my bottom selection. Bonnie Rig and East Fife to draw. So Airdrie. Montrose and Bonnie Rig and East Fife to draw. Tony, what have you got? Good stuff, Ben. Thank you very much. Uh, Queen's Park at home to Morton in the top division at six to five. Queen's Park at home to Morton six to five. Kelty Hearts away at Edinburgh uh, at nineteen to twenty. Nineteen to twenty. Kelty Hearts and uh, are you ready for this one? Clyde at home to Dumbarton. Ugh. Three to one, Clyde. Three to one, Clyde, at home to Dumbarton. Dumbarton always fail uh, to impress and have been doing it uh, this season as well. Bumdarton is as uh, the known in these uh, fields now. So, uh, Clyde at home to uh, uh, Bumdarton at three to one uh, as, uh, as my three. <laughs> my You're three. a sucker for a punishment at Dumbarton, Tony. <laughs> They, I, I wake up at night just thinking of them. Just uh, honestly, can't get them out. Yeah. Living rent free in my head, Dumbarton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and that's it. Best look uh, this week. Uh, many thanks for listening. The latest edition of the Racing Pod Blast. Uh, very best with your Ascot betting this weekend. And remember, if you're an early riser, you can catch me on Epic Radio weekdays between five a.m. and seven a.m. And then Shed Hot Radio. Between 7 and 9, featuring Ben's 90s bangers as well. And there's been some cracking Ben's 90s bangers uh, this week on Shed Hot Radio between 7 and 9. And you can catch Ben over on narrowingthefield.co.uk. That's narrowingthefield.co.uk. We'll be back next week with the next episode of the Racing Pub Blast. Big thanks for listening this week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, Tony. And see you next week. When you go on your summer vacation You go to Jouin-le-Pin With your carefully designed topless swimsuit You get an even suntan on your back and on your legs But where do you go to, my lovely When you're alone in your bed Won't you tell me the thoughts that surround you 
I want to look inside your head as I do.